Hey everyone, these are some clips from our Anchor Station. You could find more clips like this at anchor.fm slash athletic lab. What's up guys? Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Lab Audio Inventory. Hey guys, so this is our mentorship group. Uh, one of the things that we try to do with our mentorship group is uh, ensure that they know that a big part of this process of learning and becoming better coaches is asking questions of not only myself but all our coaches on staff. So this is occurring both in an informal and a formal way. Part of the internship process and the curriculum is uh, actually having sit-down Q&As with some of our full-time coaches where they can pick their brains on anything from training all the way up through uh, professional development questions. Uh, so what we're doing here is opening up our Q&A with me, uh, with our summer intern group, uh, and, and uh, videotaping it so that we can share some of the information, because I'm sure a lot of coaches may have similar questions to our uh, coaches in this program. Okay, yeah, we know what you do and how you do it and now I'm reading this book start with why and I would like to know what uh, with what is your why why are you doing this like you're doing it uh, that's a pretty loaded question but I would say there's several underlying things that motivate me um, one of which is helping people I think in this field, much of what we do, uh, at, if you're doing it for the right reasons, is to help people. We have the opportunity to be life-changing, whether that's in the pursuit of someone's health or in the pursuit of their dreams, like winning an Olympic medal or making a national team or whatever it is. When you see someone jump higher or throw farther or get their cholesterol down or pick up all the bags of groceries and take them into the house in one load. That's something where you, you can tangibly see you're having an impact on that person's life. A lot of people aren't able to say that. In our field, we can. Um, you know, so we can, we can have a, this lifelong impact on someone, and I think that's kind of one of the things that uh, we try to do here at Athletic Lab is be game-changing and life-changing, whether you're an athlete or just a Joe Blow that we want to be an, have, be an impactor on your life. We want to put a dent in the universe, so to speak. Uh, from a more personal level, I'm hyper-competitive. I want to try to win at everything, whether that's be the best training facility or the best coach I can be or winning at business or driving faster down the road or being a better father or whatever it is. I want to try to be the best at it. I'm, I'm driven to be as good as I can possibly be at anything. Um, if, if I'm not dedicating that type of passion towards it, it's because I don't really care about it. Uh, but what I'm passionate about, I want to be as good as I can be. I, I don't fuss with uh, mediocrity. If I, I'm going to pursue something, I want to pursue it to the highest level possible. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that I have the expectation of being the absolute best or world class or whatever, but I'm certainly going to try to get there. And it's the pursuit of that, I think, that that uh, motivates me. Um, 
So, Mike, we've, as interns, we've all seen a lot of the different hats that you wear, um, not just running this facility, but all the other things you have going on. Probably not even aware of a lot of the things you're doing. But what is maybe, I know it's going to be hard, but your favorite hat to wear? Um, I'm really passionate about coaching education, so I like to do... Uh, the coaching education element, whether it's a mentorship or the informal conversations that we have or the staff in services, I really like that kind of thing. I've had a lot of people help me along the years, so paying it forward is something that I really enjoy doing. Um, and then coaching is is what I really enjoy doing. Um, I like to be on the floor for three to five hours a day. Right now I've got you know about half that or less because of where we are in the season and a couple of athletes leaving. Uh, it g gives me the time to work on some of those other hats, but uh, what I like to do, why I started this, was because I like coaching and helping people directly and working with them. From the standpoint of business development, obviously that doesn't help if I'm just coaching all the eight hours a day or whatever, but that's what I like to do. I never want to lose sight of that, even if we got to be a uh, you know, massive company with facilities several locations I wouldn't want to stop coaching I think that's what I enjoy most um, I wanted to know like what is your mindset whenever you're like basically choosing picking and choosing each intern what is your mindset choosing? so we have uh, the four internship cohorts and uh, each one is pretty competitive in terms of the applications that we take in and uh, summer is probably the the most competitive um, so this is our summer cohort group these guys are have made it through the uh, I guess application gauntlet I'm looking for a handful of things though so when we get the application uh, in my inbox I'm looking at uh, both experiential uh, knowledge as well as educational knowledge so we ideally need somebody to come from a sports science background it's not always the case but we want someone to come from a sports science background ideally have a degree many times we get people with a master's degree or we even had a handful of PhDs come in and and essentially do an internship with us um, and then from the experience side have you been an athlete have you been a uh, coach of some fashion um, and then really what ends up kind of making making the decision easy when I kind of rank guys is I'm looking to see whether people have these extra things because right now we have enough applicants that it's pretty tough. You know, I, I could take uh, 20, 30 at any given time and seemingly be quite good on paper, but I'm looking for things like certifications. We can now be that we can now be that strict. Do you have a certification in in the field, uh, whether that's CSCS or USA Weightlifting or Precision Nutrition or whatever it is? Um, and have you have you done research? Some people have actually done research in the past or have published papers. Have you participated in a sport at a high level? Have you worked with a team? Uh, we have people who are coming from professional sports teams and being internships. So things like that kind of set you apart a little bit. And then I guess the last thing that I'm looking for is uh, I want to try to create a relatively diverse group. Um, 
in some regards, that's really exemplified in this group. Uh, we have people from different backgrounds, different nationalities, uh, all represented here. I believe there's about four or five different countries in this, this cohort group, quite a few internationals, and that's pretty regular for our summer group. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have any females in this group. Uh, we did have one, but uh, that might be a little bit to the nature of the, the field. But I want to have a group that is uh, somewhat diverse because what I want to have happen is people are coming from different backgrounds and I, I want that. I want the ideas to be shared. Um, so if someone is coming from a soccer background, they share with a track and field background or a CrossFit background or a weightlifting background or uh, the physiologists are talking to the biomechanists and talking to the sports psychologists and so forth. So we get idea sharing. One of the concepts that I think is uh, very useful for young coaches is the idea of mastery. Uh, we want to master our own domain and truly develop it to a, to a very high level. And then once you've done that, the thing that separates you from your peers is when you can start to delve into another domain. So whether that's one sports science and then you start learning another sports science or uh, one sport and then you start working with another sport or uh, whatever it is, you start to pick up these different fields. And if you have mastery in different fields, and in this group alone we have people like yourself who are in nutrition, people from sports science, people who are from uh, only coaching backgrounds, people who are personal trainers, uh, and so forth, different sporting backgrounds. What ends up happening when you have these this idea sharing and subsequent uh, increased level of mastery is that if you have different masteries in different domains, now you can distinguish yourself because these different domains allow you to work in different fields and you maybe bring in new ideas to those fields that maybe hadn't otherwise uh, been brought to the fore. So this is what I would call having idea sex. So we all have different ideas and if we share these ideas with each other, now if I have mastery in one domain and mastery in another domain, uh, I can maybe have these two different domains or different languages have an idea baby. And that idea baby may be what helps push the field forward. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that have mastery in one domain, and that's that's the starting point. We never want to lose sight of that. But the thing that I think can distinguish yourself from others is that we start to be able to speak the languages of other people. So, in this group, we say, okay, you're a applied you apply as an applied sports scientist, or you apply as a coaching mentorship program, but you're going to take part in a program that basically puts everybody together because human performance is not compartmentalized. You're going to see everything uh, that everybody else sees. You might see it from a different lens, but then you start to uh, be able to speak these different languages, I guess. Uh, so I'm looking to bring in as a, as a group with a, a fairly diverse backgrounds. And then um, if you have some level of specialty or expertise, more power to you. And ideally, it's not all the same across our 10 or 15, however many we bring in. So Mike, um, working with NCFC here in Cary, how is that different for uh, other aspects in your career, such as working with the Vancouver Whitecaps and MLS or uh, as a coach at LSU? 
So with NCFC, that's the pro football club that I work with, um, and uh, Courage, we're I'm on staff with both of them. I see them about uh, two to three times a week, sometimes on field, sometimes out here. We monitor their their uh, wellness metrics and their GPS data and heart rate data. Uh, it's quite similar from what I did to, with the Vancouver Whitecaps, a little bit less involved. Obviously, the resources are less at this level than they are uh, at the MLS in Vancouver, we had pretty much anything that I wanted to do, we were able to do it. And um, I was with them every day on a, on a daily basis. Uh, that's not always the case with, with these two teams, so it is a little bit different. Uh, we have a placement out with the Courage. One of our interns is actually with them on a, on a daily basis, so it's a little bit different, uh, a little bit more remote. With LSU, things were massively different. That's where I'm out on the track for four plus hours of the day in a, in a totally different sport, track and field. And there, I am the sport coach uh, as, a por as opposed to a support role. So if you're the track and field coach, you coach every, every aspect of physical performance and technical performance. You can control everything. And uh, that level of control affords you some benefits that you might not otherwise be able to have in team sports. Team sports is a lot more nuanced. You have to be much more reactionary rather than proactive. You are reactive to what happens in travel and the sport practice and so forth. So things are quite a bit different in those two domains. Uh, there's a challenge to both. One is neither better or worse than the other. I think it's just a matter of uh, being able to figure out the differences. Uh, there's lessons to be learned in both. What drives you? to keep going even though I think it's like fair to say you've been like really successful so a lot of people will probably get complacent with having done what you've done and having a gym like this so what what is it that keeps you continuing to look for more and like pushing forward um I mean I, I've uh, I've never really really looked at it quite like that but I as I said, I'm always looking to win, really, is how I look at it. So for us, we started as a 6,000-foot facility in a warehouse. A year later, we were in 10,000. Then we expanded to 16,000. I'm looking at being at 20,000 and having two more facilities maybe in the next two or three years. Um, you know, I'm all, basically, I the way I'm looking at everything is how can we push the needle forward a little bit. So... Um, it's just not in my nature, and I think our coaches here are very similar to to accept the status quo. Uh, the way I kind of think of this field in general, but more so, uh, even more specifically in terms of like how I approach things, is if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. It's kind of like being on a treadmill. Uh, if you're not constantly learning, there are other people who are. And uh, so to stay relevant and to stay ahead, there's always people biting at your heels or that want to take our business out, I'd rather put them out of business. Um, I'd rather, uh, you know, have my athletes do better or whatever it is uh, that, uh, yeah, you know, uh, just be competitive with it, I guess. You know, uh, to me, <laughs> I take it sometimes to a fault and it's gotten me in trouble, but I think that uh, taking that love, that approach of, push the needle forward a little bit, be a little better every day is, is never going to hurt you.
um, obviously you are wearing different hats, like Tony said and like you said. Um, and you are on the both sides of the spectrum. You are a sports scientist from the one standpoint, you are a coach and you enjoy both of that things because you're a biomechanist. And um, I wanted to ask you uh, a lot of uh, coaches, I mean, kind of advice for all of us or for the future sports scientists and coach or coach coaches uh, that want to be, you know, both, uh, like yourself. Uh, kind of advice, like, you know, because a lot of experts in our field are uh, advising not to pursue their PhD early in their career because they will miss a lot of experience in the field and stuff like that. What's your take on that? How, how did you do that uh, when you were young and uh, when you pursued your career in an academia career, let's put it that way? And uh, now, as a coach, also, I mean, I know it's a simultaneously you did a both, but anyway, uh, do you think that we should wait uh, for something or, you know? So, um, I was basically a professional student for a long time. I never stopped going to school until I finished my doctorate. Uh, in, in most cases, and I think this is backed up by some evidence, uh, research evidence, is that if you get out of school and enter the workplace, it makes it far harder to continue your education. So when you're young and uh, it's more acceptable to be poor, basically, <laughs> or not, not to support a family or whatever it is, you don't have as many responsibilities, that's probably the best time to get your PhD because it is a, uh, a greedy beast that you need to feed to, to go after that. Um, I don't recommend everyone go after their PhD. In fact, I probably recommend people uh, not do it most of the time because if you don't want to get into applied sports science and research, it's probably not worth your while. Now, I've certainly had opportunities present themselves because I have a PhD uh, from people who know nothing about me, just seeing the DR next to my name or PhD and thinking that I know what the hell I'm talking about without really knowing whether I do or not. Uh, so it does give you a little bit of immediate uh, clout and cachet, I think, immediate credibility that maybe not having that uh, wouldn't you wouldn't have. But I don't think it is absolutely necessary. I know a hell of a lot of really smart people who have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or in some cases don't even have a bachelor's degree in a sports science and they're brilliant. Um, but at the same time, a lot of those guys would never be given jobs because they don't have these prerequisites. So uh, I guess that's to the question of PhD, masters, it's, it kind of depends. What do you want to go into? Research, applied sports science, that, or coaching. If it's just coaching, don't do the PhD. In terms of um, advice to younger coaches, I think one thing that I always think of, and, I, and my wife hates me for this, uh, is my, my general philosophy on things, and I did this a ton when I was younger and still do it now is bite off more than you can chew and then chew it so don't worry about being overwhelmed just just do it if an opportunity presents itself just take it and I remember when I was younger and even now sometimes but to a much lesser extent I was younger someone would ask me to present on something I wouldn't even know what the hell the thing was I got asked to to speak to USA speed skating on speed skating, training for speed skating. I put on skates three times in my life. Uh, I've never coached anyone for speed skating. I did that. I was asked to be the USA track and field biomechanist 
arguably the best event in track and field in the history of the best sports team on our Olympic squad. Uh, I was a decathlete. I threw shot, shot put. I was a first-year biomechanics student, uh, not even a Ph.D. I took that on. Uh, you know, I, a lot of things like that, it's basically just take the challenge and then prepare for it. If you shy away from the challenge thinking you're not prepared for it, you miss out on an opportunity to actually prepare for it. So I would actually take that challenge on uh, regardless of how much I have on my plate and then handle it. Uh, any opportunity, whether it's speaking engagement, writing engagement, job opportunity, I always would jump at it, whether my plate looked full or not. Um, as I said, that's not always the best thing to do in terms of uh, family life. Um, I've struck a little bit more of a balance now as I've gotten older, but uh, if you're ambitious and are trying to get to the top of your field, I think you will see that quite a few people have taken a similar philosophy as if a opportunity presents itself, uh, take advantage of it rather than regret that when it's passed. Uh, I think if you weren't to some extent in love with or enjoying what you're doing, especially with your personality, you would have changed it by now. Um, but from entering uh, what I would still try to describe as a coaching career, rather, obviously it's taken a lot of different turns for you. What is something you're most grateful for and, and happiest have, to have found by doing that? And what is something you kind of regret or wish you could have adjusted in, in coming into the field? Um... I'm very grateful for my mentors along the way, some of whom I lucked into, uh, just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Uh, when I met Ethan Reeve at Ohio University, he's very influential on how I do a lot of things, both from a leadership standpoint and um, programmatic standpoint. Still use a lot of his basic templates on a day-to-day -day basis uh, and how he dealt with his staff, I think was very influential in, in uh the same role that I play now with our staff, uh, and then actively pursued a couple guys like Dan Paff and Bush Exnader, Um and those guys were always very altruistic and generous with their time and helping me out. Um, so I'm unbelievably grateful for them. The amount that I learned with those guys, in particular, Boo, has uh, been, you know incomprehensible sometimes I, I wouldn't have anything really uh, close to what I know now without without his uh, influence um, in terms of things I regret is very very little in terms of professionally um, there's a shitload of mistakes that I've made in terms of trial and error but uh, I, re I really don't regret many of them because the, the way I look at it is I like where I am right now uh, I'm not satisfied with it, but I like where I am right now. And I think anytime you can say you like where you are right now, you can't magically take that out of the context of shitty things that happened in the past. Because bad things that happened in the past set the, the trickle-down effect for where you are right now. So, you know, it's like these movies that have a time machine in them. You know, you can't mess with the past and still have the the present or the future. Um, so if I if I were to say I regret something, it would imply that I would do it over or do it a different way. And professionally, while I've made a ton of mistakes, uh, 
you know, they if I were to do them over again, I'm not sure that I would because uh, they helped me learn or they helped me change or they helped me get to where I am now in some fashion. Uh, what is your opinion about current trends in our field? Um, I think it's a really exciting time in our field because we have availability to information that has never been seen before, whether that's conferences and clinics or uh, sharing on the web or blogs or podcasts or whatever it is. This is essentially the golden age right now. Um, I'm sure it will get better, but the golden age of sharing in terms of our field. It's, you know, in the past, you used to have to subscribe and get a hard copy of a research journal, and there might only be two or three research journals in our field. Now, you can get every single one of those for free, and they're published every month, and there's uh, 10 times more of them. So, and then there's websites that are distilling that information down into an uh, approachable information. Uh, and there's people blogging on it, and people putting out videos. So I think there's a ton of information, I think, out there that is that is great. The problem is this, the state of the field also that requires us to be more discerning in what we believe. So it's real easy to look at trends and I guess fads and the latest thing and the sexiest thing uh, and lose sight of what is fundamental and true and basic to, to physical performance and wellness and fitness. and go for the things that are flashy. So that's, I guess, a, an area where I think we both have the, the benefit of all this information, but we also have to be very cautious on looking at it with a very critical eye because there's 10 times more great information out there, but there's likewise 100 times more bullshit information out there. So we need to make sure that we are figuring out what is worthwhile and getting rid of the, the garbage. Um, so you've traveled a lot for whatever speeches or conferences. So which place would be your favorite that you've gone to and what's the best food place to eat while you're there? I'm a, I'm a massive foodie. Um, so in terms of my favorite places, uh, maybe... Barcelona was was really cool, um, and Tokyo, Japan is is crazy. It's like otherworldly in terms of the city itself. The other, the Tokyo is essentially a country inside of a city. That's how big the population is. That's how much diversity there is. Uh, you can't see the end of it. I think it's thirty percent larger than the next largest city, and the food scene there is crazy as well. So. I was able to do some crazy things in, in Tokyo. Uh, I'd gladly go back there in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, but I mean, uh, those those are the two places that I think stand out to me. Um, love to go to Australia uh, or New Zealand and, and check those out as well for, for similar reasons.